so I was looking at another way that I could use my skill set and use my passion for for telling stories and and you know self-publishing and and the world of books is just going absolutely gangbusters um I think I saw some stats the other day that uh, book sales of self-published authors around the world has increased by 240 percent in the last five years so it's massive and uh, so I saw a lot of potential there but also the, the person, the, you know, the, that little voice inside of me that just really wanted to help people to find their voices and to speak up was going, hey, you could do this on a whole new level and you can, you know, help someone to actually uncover their voice maybe for the first time. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, I have the incredible and beautiful Roxanne McCarty-O'Kane. The special soul is a ghostwriter. She's also a writing mentor and works closely with aspiring authors to empower them to become the change makers they dream to be through becoming an author. Now, I know every single one of us has a story in us. We all have a book in us, but sometimes the hardest and most, uh, I guess, limiting part of wanting to become an author is never really fully understanding the process or exactly what it takes. Many of us don't consider ourselves writers. Many of us don't even know where to start when it comes to telling our story. But storytelling has been Roxanne's bread and butter since 2007, with a long long career as a journalist for newspapers, magazines, and online publications. This was all before she transferred her incredible skill set to non-fiction book creation. Her emphasis on connection to her authors and honoring the uniqueness of their stories has seen her recognized as an incredible award-winning businesswoman. She has been nominated and won many awards over the last decade. And when she isn't in her writing cave leading Ignite and Write workshops or mentoring aspiring authors, Roxy enjoys asserting her dominance in family games of banagrams and playing her guitar or curling up in her hammock on the back deck with a good book. You're going to love this week's conversation. She truly is inspiring. Her latest book, Ignite and Write, which is book one of three called The Mindful Author, is truly empowering. She's also got a very special offer at the end of this podcast. So make sure you stay tuned to the end to find out exactly what that is to become a part of her incredible network where you could attend one of her powerful Ignite and Write workshops. I cannot begin to tell you how excited I am to share this week's story because I believe it's from this podcast we're going to see a couple of new authors expand their horizon and actually hit the scene with a beautiful story that's needing to be told. I cannot wait to hear your thoughts, comments, and feedback. So please head to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast, or you can write your comments direct to me on my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28, or you can go to Facebook, Kim Morrison Training. There is definitely a book there, and I cannot begin to tell you how important it is that you tell your amazing story. Take care, be kind, and I look forward to hearing what you think of this week's beautiful show right here on the Self Love Podcast. Take care, be kind. 
many of you will know that I've had the privilege and joy, if you can call it that, of writing a number of books. I've never considered myself a writer, and yet I just keep persisting and going for it. And so today I thought it was absolutely brilliant and appropriate to have the amazing Roxanne McCarty-O'Kane on the show, who has just recently launched a beautiful book called Transformation Through Authorship, Ignite and Write. And it's all about the mindful author. Welcome to the Self-Love Podcast, gorgeous girl. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Kim. Look, it is such a treat to have you on the show. I've always said to anybody or any audience or any podcast, anything that I get the opportunity, that we all have a book in us. But before we get into writing books and what it means to actually uh, have the space and time to tell your story, maybe, Roxanne, you could just go back a little bit for us and let us know your upbringing, what led you and into the path of ghostwriting and doing all the extraordinary things that you do in this day and age. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's always fun to have a bit of time to reflect on on where you've come from to get to where you are. Um, I guess, yeah, my, my story, and it's very only very recently that I realized the power of what happens subconsciously. So we're starting with something really juicy here. Um, So it was only recently that I discovered that what drew me into journalism to start with was actually my desire to create connection and to empower people to find their voices. So I I found my way into this industry, but um, if we rewind even further, I I grew up in, in a home environment where my parents separated when I was about two. Uh, and so I grew up in two very different households growing up. So I had um, a life with my mum and a life with my dad and, you know, very blessed to have so much love in both of those homes. Um, however, I felt like there was, uh, and I think a lot of people from uh, divorced homes feel this, that there was a bit of disconnect there. Um, I didn't quite know where my place was and where I fit. Um, and a lot of the time I, I put a big smile on and was my happy self because I didn't want to tell anyone how I was feeling. So I actually kept my voice hidden for many, many, many years, uh, you know, my true authentic voice and was too scared to share a lot of what I was thinking and feeling because I didn't want to upset anyone. Um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are resonating with that. Um so, uh, yes, subconsciously, I, I made my way into, into journalism. Um, there was a bit of a hiccup where I, I was gunning for a, a career in the Defence Forces but didn't quite make the cut because I am an asthmatic. Um, however, you know, everything happens for a reason and I, I landed in journalism and just it felt like home and I just got so much joy from sharing people's stories and, and giving them a platform to, to tell, you know, what was on their heart and what they were passionate about. And um, throughout my career in the media, I, I did get known as the fluff girl uh, because I was just so drawn to human interest and, you know, what made people tick and what, what people's purposes were, um, you know, why they started a community organisation or why they were fundraising or why they were running in a marathon. Like there's always a purpose behind everything that we do. Um, so I was never competing with my peers for, um, you know, the the to sit in the courtroom or to to call the police rounds every day like that was never my jam it was always about the people and so 
media, the media landscape changed, as we all know, um, with uh, everything going online and um, a lot more uh, reliance being put on, you know, getting eyes on stories. Um, that was just the, how, how it all shifted and changed and uh, that didn't really align with me. And so I was looking at another way that I could use my skill set and use my passion for for telling stories and and you know self-publishing and and the world of books is just going absolutely gangbusters um i think i saw some stats the other day that uh, book sales of self-published authors around the world has increased by 240 percent in the last five years so it's massive and uh, so i saw a lot of potential there but also the, the person, the, you know, the, that little voice inside of me that just really wanted to help people to find their voices and to speak up was going, hey, you could do this on a whole new level and you can, you know, help someone to actually uncover their voice maybe for the first time and to see the strength in who they are and the journey that they've been on and to give them a whole new appreciation for the magnificent person that they are and for them to share their gifts with the world through their books. And so um, I started that um, five years ago. And I've never looked back. It's just been absolutely incredible. And the, the stories that I've been blessed with being able to help share or to help craft have been absolutely mind-blowing. So that was a very long nutshell for you, but that, that captures my journey for you. I think it, it really resonates for many of us who listen to this show in particular that the beautiful guests that I get to interview on here are people people and they really do care about connection or they really do care about what other people are going through and certainly what they're growing through. I would love to ask you then, as a ghostwriter, as someone that helps someone, could you explain to us what actually that role is? Because many people listening to this will go, well, I may have a story, but I wouldn't know where to start or I wouldn't know what to do. And just tell us the role of a ghostwriter. Yeah, sure. So a ghostwriter really is, I, I see myself as a conduit really. So I work in the nonfiction realm, which is, um, you know, true stories. Um, so largely memoirs, autobiographies, um, stories for business. And really a ghostwriter's job is to just help people who, who know that they have a story within them. They've got, you know, they've had a desire to, to write a book or to be an author, um, but perhaps they don't have enough time. Uh, perhaps they know innately that they are much better verbal communicators than they are written communicators. Um, and others, you know, I've worked with people that have, um, you know, maybe dyslexia or some other challenges as well that, that make it really difficult to become an author by writing it yourself. So a ghostwriter steps in and basically um, takes on the heavy lifting of all of that, um, that wordsmithing and all of the crafting that goes into pulling the words together. And what I love about the process is that it's just as transformational when you use a ghostwriter as it is sitting behind the keyboard and, and tapping away yourself because you still have that time to stop and reflect and really um, take in the amazingness of, of the story of what makes you who you are and and what it is the wisdom and knowledge that you have to share. So uh, my my process and ghostwriters uh, around the world have a lot of different processes and means of doing it. Um, but because uh, my background is in media, uh, I 
my superpower is interviewing. So, um, so really when, when I work with uh, my clients in a ghostwriting capacity, it's really just us having coffee chats and, and talking through their story. Obviously, there's a bit more structure and things behind that, but that's my job. So my clients just really get to sit there and, and tell me all about themselves and, and I just guide them very gently um, in different directions with, with questions. And, you know, some of those questions can be hard. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, if we really want to get to underneath some of the layers that we put on top of things, especially emotional, traumatic um, experiences that we've had, um, when you can feel brave enough and feel comfortable enough to to share how how that made you feel or, um, you know, what that experience was like for you, that's where you can <clears throat> really open up a whole world of transformation for yourself and also for your readers when they get to experience that in its book form going forward. So really it's just a way for you to get away with not having to do any writing, which is great. And But that's what I really love. So it's the perfect fit. Yes. But I, I'm curious to, to go back to something you said that mm. it's for people who know they've got a story to tell. I'm sure you'd also say it's for people who don't know they've got a story to tell because many of us underplay what we've been through or what we've experienced or what our history is. And we just think of ourselves as quite normal and nothing extraordinary. Would you say that that's the case for a lot of people as well, where you actually do believe every single one of us has a story or do you think there's some that have better stories than others? <laughs> That's funny. Um, no, it is very cliche, but I feel like everyone does have a story. Um, the The differences are yeah, whether they have recognised that yet or whether they believe that it is um, powerful. So it really comes down to the self and your connection to your story. Um, and when I, you know, the mindful author, my my book is is all about really digging into those, um, into the roots of that and understanding, you know, what is my story? Why do I feel that it serves a purpose? And and what could it potentially do for not only me, but for, for all the people who are going to pick it up and be my future readers? Um, so no, I do believe everyone has a story. Um, sometimes it does take a bit of time to stop and reflect to understand that we have one. Um, I know so many people who get told by their friends and family, oh, you should write a book. You should write a book about that. And they're like, really? Like it's a shocking thing because they don't appreciate how unique or how special they and their stories are. So, and to be perfectly frank, you know, when, when I started in ghostwriting, um, I actually had to find my voice and I had to be comfortable with sharing who I am and what my story was because I can't share the the, the success stories of my clients. Yeah, we all sign non-disclosure agreements. So everything that I do for my clients is is under lock and key. So um, you know, I had to put my best foot forward and and put myself out there, which was uncomfortable territory. Um, but you know, I expect that from my clients now too, for them to have the most success with their books and their stories going forward. So it's only fair that I, I went there first. <laughs> exactly. I think there's something to be said, though, about actually putting thoughts on paper. Perhaps you could talk to us now then about The Mindful Author. What spurred you to write this book apart from the fact, because you could stay being a ghostwriter and not share mm. this, 
Can you tell us the story and the background behind this beautiful book? There is so much good content in here. And if nothing else, reading this book will make you actually look within and realize we do all have a story to tell. So I'm really keen to hear what motivated you to do this. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah, I mean, I love ghostwriting and it is something that I'm always going to be doing. Um, However, I was finding that people were coming to me um, and they didn't actually want a ghostwriter. So there's a whole world of people out there who are actually really passionate about writing it themselves and they feel like it's going to be fulfilling for them to, you know, to do the the hard yards themselves and and to get that story out. Um, However, they needed some support and some guidance. You know, they were stuck on where to start and how to get going and um, what sort of things to include. And uh, what I found was that people who, who just got straight in and started writing without any form of direction, um, it never really ended well for them. So, you know, they would end up either with, you know, hundreds of thousands of words with no structure, which would then cost them, you know, thousands and thousands in editing to rework and pull it into a form that would work. Or uh, they would sit there staring at a blank screen for days on end and get frustrated and walk away. Um, So the whole purpose of The Mindful Author was just to get my my process out there. And this is a first uh, book, one of three. So this focuses on the author's mindset and getting very clear on, you know, what your authentic story is and understanding that, you know, even for me, while there's tens of thousands of books in the world on how to write a book, um, what you have to say and how you communicate it and the way that you view the world and the lens that you, you know, you you view the world through uh, is very unique to anyone else's. So what you have to say is going to be special and it, there is going to be an audience that's waiting to hear it. Um, the second part is connection. So we talked about that earlier, you know, connection to self, connection to the power of your story and connection to your audience. Because um, as you know, it's, it's all well and good to to write an amazing story, but who are you writing for? So getting that really clear in your mind and then, yeah, being open to what the transformation looks like for you as well. So, you know, it could be um, for a business purpose, it could be opening up new revenue streams or new opportunities as an author. Um, It could be just creating a legacy document for your family, you know, something that they can pass down through the generations or it really could be, Um, a way to inspire hope and change in others by them reading and and living your experiences through your words. So there's so many different ways um, that you can come at it from. And when you have that clarity before you sit down to write, it absolutely transforms the whole process of writing a book for you because you have that certainty, you have that purpose, um, and you're channeling that passion in a really productive and creative way. That was a really long answer to your question. Kim. Not at all, not at all. I, yeah. I've done this myself. It started yeah. out with a with a two-page document, given it to a publisher. They've said, yes, go away with it, write it. We got paid to go away and do it got completely sidetracked in the research, got completely sideswiped by the amount of information. And when we took the book 12 weeks later back into them to edit and look at, 
they actually called us in and said, you've not stuck to anything on the two-page concept. And we both looked at each other like, oh, my gosh, we didn't even, we'd forgotten about that. We got yes. so <laughs> lost in the story and the book and the more information that it ended up getting blown out into, as you say, hundreds of thousands of words that were never used. And so I'd, I'd love to ask you then, is it is it a possibility for some people to, you know, just tell their story into a, into their phone, like to record their story, just say the parts that they found interesting or say the things like that, because even that someone could pull into an incredible book. Is that another way of doing this, do you think? But do you still feel like there needs to be structure in around the, us even talking into a microphone? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a big stickler for structure. Um, I think that's just because I see how much work goes into a book. That's what I do every day. Um, I would always, you know, at least encourage people to have a think about the structure and where it is that they want to take the book. Like what is the core message that you're wanting to share? Because in our lifetimes, there are so many stories we could pick and choose from, like so many, you know, some are funny, some are scary, some are, you know, really incredible light bulb aha moments that have changed our lives. So it's about, um, you know, even just having a basic structure just helps you to be more selective on those stories that you write or that you, you, you speak into your phone um, because without that um, skeleton structure in place, you know, it, it blows out very, very quickly. Um, so, yes, I would always say have a basic structure. And, yes, many people do, as I said, there, there are people who are a lot stronger verbal communicators. Um, so while I use an interview process, I know others do, you know, they use the voice memo feature on their phone and just collect up a, a stack of content that way, um, which you can then pull into a structure from there quite easily. Um, the only caveat with that is that I know um, from experience with um, clients who are, you know, on stage speakers, for example, um, that the written word is slightly different to the spoken word. So there will still need to be, um, you know, some reworking of the content there just to make it fit that format. And so, yeah. I'm laughing at that because when we first decided to write a book, we thought, you know what, let's just transcribe our workshop. It's brilliant. We've got this three-day workshop. So we recorded the whole thing. We paid someone to transcribe it. And I'm not joking, Roxy, when we read it back, it was, you couldn't, it sounded so sarcastic or it just did not have the same landing that it does verbally and audibly to what it does when you're looking at it visually. Mm. There is a real talent in telling a story, a, a middle, a, sorry, a beginning, a middle and an end, taking us, the reader, on a real journey so that we actually identify with your story. And what I love about the work that you do, I don't necessarily have to be a business woman in order to hear someone's business story to see how that can relate to me in the business of running a home or in the business of running my life. What I love about the way you've helped authors to get their story out is it doesn't matter what the context or the story is, I still feel connected to it. What's your what's your superpower? What's your the, the, the real magic secret source that you do to do that? Yeah, so um, I think you nailed it when you said the word connected. So, um, 
you know, I have had clients approach me that that just want to share, um, you know, a framework perhaps. Um, I can share one particular story because he's told the world that I've worked for him. So his name was Stu Darling um, and he was a, um, or is a uh, leadership coach, but he had a really strong background in the military, in the UK military. So he was... Um, you know, he's enrolled when he was 18 and, and rose through the ranks and was deployed to the Middle East and was running covert operations like James Bond stuff. It was really, really exciting, really exciting um, story. But when he first came to me, he said, I've just created the seven-step framework. That's what I want the book to be on. And he would not venture into his personal story. Um, so it was... Um, but I know that that's where the connection lies. I know that's where people see parts of themselves and, you know, can apply that, as you said, in, in any context. Um, so, you know, it took him a few sessions, um, but he actually came to the realize, realization himself that it was going to be very dry and, you know, very finger waggy, like you must do this. Um, and so once we cracked that, um, cracked through that resistance, the result was absolutely magical. So, you know, he was then open to talking about how he lost his father at the age of 10 and he didn't actually have a male role model in his house. And, you know, moving into um, the military where, you know, you, you have to respect and obey your superiors no matter how good of a leader they are. You know, you, you're lumped with it. You have to adapt. Um, and then to becoming a leader himself in that environment, you know, what sort of skills he was able to learn and, and the real-life situations that helped him to build the framework. So it's the story behind the framework and that's what people really connect to. It's always, the, as I said, the story and the purpose behind um, the creation or the realisation of something. And when you have that connection, that's when you really take away the powerful lessons from a book. So it, it's one thing to pick up a book that might list, you know, the top 50 things that are going to make you a million dollars. But if you actually read the author's journey from, you know, maybe you know, quite often there, there is a hero's journey behind these styles of books, you know, maybe they were homeless or maybe they were um, down to their last few dollars and now they're millionaires. That's the story that people connect with and that's when they really get to learn and appreciate um, the author and then take on those lessons rather than just being told. It's so powerful because then when I hear your credibility or earning, it's almost telling your story is earning the right as to why you're giving this information or this um, structure or seven steps or whatever it is. And I think mm -hmm. that's where we really connect and admire people for how they've traversed through the adversities and what they've done to get on top of it. And even if we can take an ounce of that from their story, you're still helping me to become a better person. And so I really, I really appreciate you doing that because sometimes self-help books are just telling us what to do. And let's face it, humans don't like being told what to do. <laughs> I was going to say that. Yeah, there, there's a bit of rebellion in all of us, really. <laughs> yeah. And so when I hear the story, I then go, oh, 
Okay, well, that's why he can tell me that. I can see what he's been through. So I really that's appreciate right. it. And I think it really brings to a, an element of humanness as well. So like everyone on this planet, like every human on this planet is a person, you know, no matter what they've achieved or haven't, um, you know, we're, we're all humans at the end of the day. And, and sometimes we can put people up on a pedestal and, and think they're perfect or think, you know, they've, um, they've been able to achieve something that we never could. Um, so when you can present stories or knowledge in a way that shows how they got there, it makes makes them more human and it makes them more relatable and that's when we can build that connection and and be genuinely inspired yes and I think also too as you said more than anything it puts us the reader into a space of true connection with that story because even if we've never lived a story like that my goodness stories are so interesting one thing I was always told many years ago is fill people's hearts before you fill their heads So connect on a heart basis before you start telling them what they could, should, or would be doing. And Mm. I really appreciate that connection, I think, is probably one of the most profound parts of anyone's story. It's also the same as listening to someone who's hugely academic, right? And they've got all this knowledge and this science in behind what they're saying. But when you see the humanness in behind it, that gives it even more pizzazz or oomph if you like because now you can see why the science matches that humanness so I really appreciate the skill that it takes for someone like yourself to draw that from someone who becomes quite vulnerable in sharing their story I know for me all the books that we've written there is tears when I Mm. write parts of it there is elements of real emotion and relief sometimes when I tell parts of a story But more than that, beautiful Roxy, I think what really, really makes it for me, the latest book that I wrote, The Art of Self-Love, you know, I I wrote that for the person who was feeling a bit lost or the, the person who didn't know how to find their way back to who they truly were. And being an athlete, I like step by step processes. So I knew there was this six step process that I'd created in my heart and whole body, mind and soul in order to find my way back to me whenever I go through highs and lows. But what really got to me, I just thought if I can help one person, that's that's my beautiful desire in this book. If I can help one person find their way home that to themselves, then I think that creates a ripple effect in the home and the family, which then creates a ripple effect into the community. But when I had a lady tell me she sent me an email and said, this book was given to me by my sister and I never wanted to read it at first because I didn't believe in it. And she said, it sat there for months, but I want you to know in those months I had contemplated uh, taking my life, not wanting to be here anymore. So your story has inspired me to want to stay here and tell my story. It still chokes me up to the I think how on earth do we ever put a price on thinking that you may have helped somebody change the course of their life? Have you found even in writing this beautiful story of yours for the mindful author, you've actually given people to permission to be their authentic selves? Can you give us an example of perhaps where that's really come to light for you? Yeah, absolutely. So as I, as I mentioned, I think 
I've always viewed myself as a conduit and someone who helps to connect people, you know, with their beautiful stories. And, and it's not my, my, from my book exactly, but as, as you were talking, I'm like, I've got the perfect story I'd love to share with you here. Um, so this author was a man by the name of Alex Garrick. He does live in Canberra. Um, and he actually um, connected with me after he had written his first draft. Um, but he was in a stage of what I call almosting. So he almost knew how powerful his story was. And he had obviously had enough passion and drive to create the first draft, but he still wasn't 100% sure of what kind of, you know, impact it would have or if anyone would care about, you know, his story or what he had to share. Now, it's important to understand that Alex is actually the CEO of a... um, an international organization called Fearless, and they actually um, help people with PTSD. So they advocate, they provide resources, they um, they help to, um, you know, change regulations and things like that to make sure that everyone gets the help that they need. Um, and that was the story, His that's the story that he had written was uh, a fictionalized version of a lot of the mental health challenges that he had had since he was a child. Um, so long story short, um, we managed to anchor in how important this story was. And on the night of his book launch, um, I was fortunate to go down and, and officially launch the book for him. And he got up on stage and just his transformation, like he was so sure of the power of this book. And the reason was because even at the first draft stage, he sent it around to a few of his colleagues and he found out that one of one of the ladies had passed a copy to her husband. Now she was concerned about him because she felt like he had been um, exhibiting some symptoms of PTSD, uh, but he refused to go and seek any help. He didn't think that there was anything wrong, but he read a copy of Alex's book. And as soon as he shut the cover and read the final page, he called up a counsellor and sought help. So literally before the book was even released, it was already having this incredible ripple effect and possibly saving that man's life. And that was before it was even um, available worldwide as it is now. So the ripple effect that happens from a book, and you would know this well, it goes around the world many, many times over and you never truly know the impact that it's having. You know, sometimes you get an occasional beautiful email or, a, um, you know, a message from someone to say, um, what they've experienced or, or how you've been able to help them. But th- the truth is you never truly know. Um, so it's just believing in the power of that story. And, and once it's out there, it's got a life of its own and and it will be transforming and inspiring, you know, without you even realising it, which is, you know, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing to to offer the world really. Well, can I add to that then, those of us that may never choose to write a book or may never really see the need to do it, Mm -hmm. I'm sure those people read books and we all have the pleasure and ability to read a book. I'd love to add to that then, if you've really got something from that book, do get in touch with the author, do let them know what it's meant to you or do let them know any stories that have come from that because You're dead right, Roxy. We don't know the impact until someone tells us. And then when I get one email like that beautiful lady, I just think it's one person I've helped. You don't know if anyone else is 
read it or got something from it or it's not until you meet someone live and they go, oh, I've read your book. Mm. Even having someone say to me, they've given me the time and their energy to read a book means more to me than anything. So I want to acknowledge you for that again, because I think it's important we do let people know that their stories do make a difference. So please, if you take nothing else from today from the two of us, <laughs> tell the authors what you think of their book or let them know. Yeah, one absolutely. Things, one of the things in your book I found really fascinating was some of the stats. And I notice at the beginning of the book, you talk about that Google conducted a search that showed around 130 million books had been published in human history up until 2010. With more than 3 million books being released by publishing houses and self-published authors in a single year in the US alone, we're seeing more authors created now than ever before. Can you tell us a little bit about the fact that there is a heck of a lot of books being written. Um, in Australia, you've written, we have a similar outcome. In 2020, more than 22,600 new titles were released, yet we only have a population of around 25.4 million people. This means that newly published authors make up only 0.089% of Australians. So talk to us a little bit about why those stats are so interesting. I think it's just to illustrate, and the reason why I put them in there, um, I, you know, I love a good statistic being a former journo, um, but also um, it just goes to show that you could probably fill up a room full of people and ask them who's ever thought about writing a book or who's ever thought about sharing their story. And probably you'd see about 80% of the people raise their hands. And when you ask them, you know, who's actually published, you might get yeah, less than, well, maybe 1%, you might get one or two hands raised. Um, and the reason for that is that, you know, people, so many people fall off along the path. Um, so I, I am really passionate about getting these really strong foundations in place for people who think, oh, I've, I really want to share my story. And it might not be in a book. It might be, you know, just being brave enough to share um, to update your about us page on your website, you know, for your business, or it might just be, um, you know, reconciling with parts of your past so that when you meet new people, um, you understand, you know, a lot more about yourself as a person. Um, so storytelling can come in so many forms. Um, it is everywhere. So it doesn't always necessarily have to be about a book either. Um, so yeah, so those, um, those stats just show um, that it really is the top 1% in the US, less than 1% in Australia who actually follow through from that initial spark of, yes, I'm going to write my book to actually holding their book in their hands. Um, and I strongly believe that the reason for that, yeah, is that they don't have the clarity or the structure or really understand why, you know, why is a big word. Um, so why? Oh, I want to write a book. Why is that important to me? And really delving into that. So um, I'll just share a little bit of snippet from, from inside the book is that, um, you know, Toyota, the, the genius behind the Toyota car company, um, came up with the 5Y technique. And initially it was just to help technicians to minimise the amount of times a car kept coming back for the same problem, right? Because <laughs> you know what car engines are like. You know, oh, it's making that weird noise and it could be one of 20,000 things. Um, so they developed this technique for the technicians to go, okay, well, it's making the sound. Why could it be making the sound? And they asked that question five more times. And by the time they get to the fifth why, 
the chances are they've probably got to the root cause. So when you apply this to why do I want to write a book, um, it's really fascinating what the final response ends up being. And, you know, I put this in the book because I do it in my workshops and it just blows people's minds because they think, oh, I want to write a book because I want to help people. But it's actually often a lot more involved and a lot deeper than that. So when you get that understanding, it really helps to propel you forward and keep you focused on achieving that outcome so that you can, um, you know, you can achieve that why. I think why is what drives us in every single way and every single day. And I absolutely love the five whys and I could not agree with you more. Even with my clients, I keep going and digging and why. And if you did know, what would that mean? And if what yes. would that mean and how and why would that be important? I think it's it's actually a beautiful process to do ourselves on anything that we're doing. Mm. Could you now tell us then, give us a rundown of how the author's mindset can be so powerful. Talk us through the process that you take someone through uh, and if they read your book, they would get a deeper insight. But I'd love to know from yourself what that process is. Yeah, no, perfect. So I touched on it a bit earlier with the ACT, so the authentic story, the connection and the transformation. Um, but really when we're looking at the mindset specifically, um, everyone knows that there's this little voice in their head that likes to tell them all the things that they can't do. <laughs> so um, so it really is about mastering that or, or not even mastering it. Being aware of it is the first step. Um, I don't think anyone fully masters it, to be perfectly honest. It's always a work in progress. Um, but it's starting to be aware that that voice is there and listening to what it's telling you um, because quite a lot of um, quite a lot of the reasons why people fall off the, you know the path to authorship is because they let that little voice win you know they, they let it tell them that they're not a good writer so how could they potentially write a book um, and we look at ways to flip that so okay if if the word writer feels heavy if it feels like um, you know you're setting out on a um, on an adventure that you may never reach the end of you know that that's not a good energy to be sitting in when you're creating something that that you feel a really strong purpose for um, so instead of looking at yourself as a writer um, which can open up doors to perfectionism and oh that sentence needs to be perfect and I need to rewrite that 10,000 times um, if you flip that to I'm a good storyteller it actually shifts the whole energy around it because everyone can tell a story. You know, I, I go and have a coffee with a friend and we're telling each other stories the whole time, you know, about what our husbands have done or what silly things our kids have just said that morning. You know, it's all a story. Um, so when we take, you know, it's just a simple mindset shift from thinking I'm not a good writer to actually I'm an amazing storyteller. Um, and that just it, it gives you a whole new um, vibe vibrancy when you sit down to write so it's looking at all of those main things and and there are there's probably several that that come up with just about every single person that I, I work with um, and and everyone feels like it's um you know it's something uh, that they've concocted for themselves I'm like no these things are universal you know I'm not a good writer I'm not an expert who am I to put myself out there? Who's even going to care what I have to say? These are the things that I hear time and time again. So what I love about um, 
the mindful author is that I've had the space to really, you know, address each of those and and suggest alternatives and ways that you can flip those those mindset um, crutches, you know, those, those hurdles um, so that you can move past them. And, and once you get your mindset right, um, once you have that author's mindset and you have that purpose anchored for you, it, it really can be smooth sailing and, and really quite an enjoyable process. So mm, it's, a, it's powerful. And if nothing else, write it for your legacy, write it for your children, write it for your grandchildren because there's nothing sadder than when we lose a grandparent and not really knowing their whole story and their words. I think it's such a beautiful thing to do when you actually read the words of someone. Um, It's almost like finding a letter in their drawer that just gives you an insight into their world that you would never have known had they not written that down. That's why I love Mm -hmm. journals and and people writing love notes. And I've kept every love letter that my husband's written me. And one day, maybe my kids will read it and, and they'll read them and they'll just chuckle at our love story. So I think it's really beautiful. That's so beautiful. And and I do want to share as well that, yes. you know, the word legacy, I don't know why, but I felt really icky about the word legacy until very recently. And I think it was because I didn't understand the power of that. Um, so I had the fortune of working with um, a Vietnam veteran uh, to capture his story and from the outset he was very clear you know I don't want it to be about the bombs and I don't want it to be about the war and and all of those sorts of things I want it to be about the mateship and about the bonds that we created you know we were hanging around the barracks and you know waiting for waiting to be sent out Um, and so his his stories were so unique and I would, you know, I, I loved spending time with him and, and learning from him. And, you know, some of the things we had to censor a little bit because he was a little bit um, unpolitically correct at times, uh, just a sign of his generation. Um, but he was very, you know, that that was his unique self and his authentic self. So it was it was part of the beautiful process. Um, but we um, so we finished the, the draft and it was sent off to editing and he actually passed away before we could get it published. Um, And so, you know, that hit me like a ton of bricks, but I was absolutely so grateful that we had managed to, you know, to get that document, get that documented, get his authentic story created before he left us. And, you know, I'm working with his daughter now to make sure that it does get published. Um, and I was absolutely blown away when his his wife, um, she kind of stayed away from it. She's like, I've heard these stories all my life. I don't need to read them again. Um, but she read them once we had it edited and, and she called me up and she said, look, I just feel like he's sitting in the room with me telling me one of his stories. And, you know, oh, it, it's just one of the greatest gifts that you can, yeah, that you can give to the world. And, and we know that his story is now going to live on um, through his book. So, I'm yeah. I'm covered in goosebumps. I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me it's too. so beautiful. And mm. it's true. Even if we've heard the story a hundred times, to read it in their authentic word is just so powerful. You talk a lot about connection and we've we've mentioned it a number of times. You talk about the author going on the journey of connection to self, connection to their story, and then connection with the audience, the person reading the book. I mean, ultimately, and this is the self-love podcast, 
that very first connection to self and our story is really connecting to that deeper honoring of loving who we are, loving our story through the highs and the lows. What would you say is your definition of self-love? Ah, well, um, so I think it really is um, for me, and it can mean so many things, but for me, I think self-love really is accepting and understanding who you are at a very core level. So it's about um, knowing yourself and knowing that, you know, we all have flaws, <laughs> but being okay with that. And, and some of our flaws can actually be our superpowers. We just, you know, haven't uncovered that, that connection yet. Um, so for me, self-love, it is about taking that space and time um, to connect because we are always changing. We are always evolving. Um, so who I was when I wrote The Mindful Author is going to be very different to who I will be when I write book two. Um, so my story would have shifted and evolved and changed even in the in that year or two. So it's about giving yourself that time and space to to sit and reflect on where you've come from and how much you know how much you've overcome, how much you've achieved um, and where you are in life. And I think being able to accept all of that is for me is the deepest form of self-love. So beautiful let's get let's go into this thing let's look at the differences of where we're hearing you talk we're listening to the whole act and the way that we can really create a beautiful story from our authentic hearts but let's let's discover now okay we're going to do it we're going to write the book we may even take you on to be our ghostwriter or at least a person that will support us to create the structure of what this book is about and who it's for what is your personal views on self-publishing versus getting published then? Or do you have any advice to the person listening to this that w- what's the best route for them to go down? It's mm, a very good question. Um, and I think the best route, really, there is no one size fits all when it comes to how you actually take that manuscript that you've so lovingly created and um, and get it out there into the world. And I think that comes down to, again, what your purpose is and what's going to light you up as well. We can't We can't take that out of the picture. So I've worked with some people who, you know, their sole goal is to be picked up by a traditional publishing house and, you know, and to get the contract and to, you know, have their book distributed um, for them and all of that, that magic that goes along with a traditional publishing contract. Um, For for others, um, being in control of the process is more important. And when that's a factor, uh, self-publishing is actually a better route because you, um, you know, you have the final say over every single element um, from what the cover looks like to, you know, what words make it through to the final print run, um, you know, whereas some of that control can be lost um, when, you, when you work with a traditional publisher, they, they have the final say. Um, you know, for some people, uh, traditional pub, uh, self-publishing is a financial commitment as well. So you are paying um, if you're using an independent publishing house, for example, or an indie publisher, um, it is a financial commitment up front. And that's, you know, that's a barrier to some people, in which case they would 
look at uploading it as an ebook on Amazon. You know, so there's so many different routes that you can take these days. And I think that's why we've had such a huge explosion in the number of authors that are being made around the world every year, um, because a lot of those barriers to entry where we would have to woo a traditional publisher with our amazing book proposal and and show how much of a huge following we had and how much you know we could um how many books we could sell for them um is no longer a barrier for everyone so yeah there there is no one size fits all and I feel like we could talk about this for a whole hour on itself um but for advice for listeners just at this instance I would say yeah just be clear on on what your values are and what it is that you want to achieve Um, and there will be a path forward for you that will fit um, what it is, what the outcome is that you want. So whether that be a traditional publisher, whether you're getting a, an agent or pitching directly, whether you're looking to work with an indie publishing house or if you are going to go it alone, if you have the skills and the time to be able to, to pull it together yourself, you can most definitely do that as well. So, yeah. Mm. I think the biggest thing that I've noticed with publishing versus some self-publishing is you can tell that some of them are very self-published. The editing, the structure, the the print the spacing, the lack of white space or whatever it is, mm-hmm. we may forget those little elements if we do go down the route of self-publishing that is actually really appealing whether we, or not appealing, whether we believe in it or not. You can tell sometimes a very self-published book compared to a beautiful professional book where they've been doing this for, I don't know, decades perhaps. But I wanted to just touch on that then about ebooks because I think that's a really powerful way to get started. And I've known a lot of very successful authors have started out with an ebook, uploaded it. There's not as much cost involved as we know. There's no hard copy prints um, to worry about. There's still an editing process, in my humble opinion, but there's mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. really powerful around an ebook. So if someone was thinking that, we do know that many test the water with their book with an ebook. Is that somewhere you could recommend someone to start if they weren't sure? Because I'd also love you if you do know, what is the cost to self-publish? You just said there's a financial commitment. Maybe you could give us that and then as to why <laughs> an ebook could be a good way to start. Yeah, sure. So, um, yes, Um it's kind of a case of how long is a piece of string. So I would always recommend, and, and I love that you brought quality into the factor here as well. Um, if you are going to be using this book for a professional purpose or, you know, to um, to help extend your, your po- profile personally, uh, then absolutely you would be spending more on editing. And if you are self-publishing, then engaging an indie publisher that does have amazing runs on the board and you can see that they have that attention to detail. Um, when you do yeah, try to self-publish yourself, you're right, the quality can fall a little bit if you're not aware of what needs to, what needs to happen. Um, so I, I actually recommend with most of my clients that they do go the indie publishing route, um, mainly because it's a brand new industry for most of them. Um, and they don't often have the time to learn everything that they need to learn in order to, to self-publish. So, um, these indie publishers, yeah, they have inbuilt teams, they have the experience, they have the credibility. So just do your homework. Um, I would like to put a little, 
uh, red flag warning out there just because I want the best for everyone who, who goes on this journey. Um, just to make sure that if you are paying for an indie publisher, that you are working with someone who doesn't expect royalties in return. Um, I've heard some absolute horror stories of um, clients who have been uh, approached, well, not approached. Um, they've had a, an acceptance from an indie publisher um, and asked to pay up front for all of the costs, but then that business will also take a cut of their royalties. So if you are going indie publishing, you would expect that you own the rights to everything and you will you will recoup, um, you know, the cost from every sale. There shouldn't be anything going to the indie publisher. Um, so just be really mindful of that. Um, that's the kind of agreement that you would expect with a traditional publisher, only they would cover the costs of production and you would get a royalty in return. So, yeah, just be very, very mindful of that. Always read everything. Um, in terms of an ebook, um, yeah, I guess it's, uh, I don't, I haven't actually done any myself, to be honest. Um, I, I help everyone with the manuscript and then, then they move on to, um, to create the, the physical copy or the e-copy themselves. Um, however, it is once you get the editing done, again, editing is important even for an ebook because, um, you know, re readers just get jilted out of the flow if they find an error. And I know I'm the worst for it because words are my life. Um, but even, you know, even my husband who might read one book every two years, like he'll, if he finds a mistake, he'll be like, oh no. Um, so yeah, so it really is important to try and catch as many of them as you can. And when we write our own books, we can't actually edit them. And I'm a firm believer of that. So I write, I never edit my own work. I always get an editor to look over what I do. Um, and with my book, I actually had two different editors look at what I did just to make sure that it was, a, um, you know, that there weren't any errors in there. Um, so yes, editing is really important, even with an ebook, um, but it can, you can get one up really, really quickly. So I, um, I did a, another podcast with a, a beautiful lady in the US um, who we had a chat two weeks ago and she's already got the ebook up online with some content from my interview. So yeah, once you've got the, um, the editing done, it's actually a really smooth and easy process to get it up. So yeah. And the cost then, if I was going to self-publish and I wanted to print 3,000 copies to start with, What's your general rule or thoughts around what would 3,000 copies um, and the editing and the writing and the paperwork and all of the stuff that comes? Have you got a ballpark <laughs> figure? Um, I'm kind of a bit hesitant to put one out there just because it depends on the business that you work with um, if you're going through an in indie publisher. So for an editor, um, you know, and there are three three levels of editing as well. So you'd have an editor that would look at your structure um, to make sure that the overall theme flows. Then you'd have your your copy editor, which goes in with the microscope and looks at all of your sentences and your words and, and grammar and um, picks up on all of those sneaky typos that make it through the the F seven word <laughs> spell check. <laughs> Um, all of those things. So they go in with the microscope and then you would have a proofreader that comes through. So once the book is designed, um, again, some, some errors can uh, jump out at you even more clearly when, when the book is actually in its final format. Um, so sweeping through and, and checking again for any of those um, 
things that have escaped the net so far. Um, so because it is such a labour-intensive process, for all three of those levels, you might be looking, and again, this is Australian dollars, so it would be different depending on where it is that you're listening from, um, you could be looking at anywhere from five to 10000 for a really good job for all three of well, those. I know when we launched our book, Like Chocolate for Women, that was self-published, um, this was about 10, 11 years ago, maybe even longer, actually, 2009, yes, longer ago. Mm. Um, that was a $40,000 investment. And I'm going to say that because we had all the editing. We also had to pay a designer. We had that different cover designer. We then had to print 5,000 books. We went 5,000. We also had our book launch. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, that was that was a big investment. It was way mm. beyond what I thought it was going to be. But because we had those three editors, because we had a design concept, we then, if you do choose to have photographs in a book, you have to pay the photographer for those photos or pay for the rights to use them, but make sure in the small print that, again, they don't want a royalty um, or where that goes. If you mm -hmm. have illustrations or an illustrator in your book, some illustrators like rather than being paid, they'll want a commission or a royalty on every copy sold. I personally have always chosen to pay for the rights to have those photos and those illustrations because then I want to do with them whatever I want. Yep. And then I have all my costs up front now, one of the things, the latest book that I wrote, The Art of Self-Love, we when we launched that, my business partner would not let me discount any books to start with, would not let me give, I think I was allowed to give away 20 to go to different um, editors and, uh, sorry, not editors, um, beautiful, you know, people that were going to support the book, podcasters, interviewers, media outlets, et cetera. I was only allowed mm -hmm. 20 to give away. Wow. And he would not allow me to discount or sell the book cheaper or give anything away until we'd recouped our costs. And that was a thousand copies had to be sold at full print at a $30 book, we had to sell a thousand copies before I could recoup our costs of self-publishing mm -hmm. it. So mm -hmm. I just want people to be under no illusion of the cost to get a quality book. Yes, that's you right. Could get a really cheap job done. And yes, but there are so many loopholes, which is why I want to really advocate and why I wanted to bring Beautiful Roxy onto this podcast, be under no illusion of what it takes to create, write, and uh, produce a book. And, and I'm saying quality because I've seen a lot of, mm. you know, $5,000 jobs done. But in my humble opinion, you can see why it was a $5,000 job. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and just to be clear, that five to 10,000 was just for the editing. So that, yeah, that's before we get into, you know, formatting design, all that, all of those things that you talked about and printing the books as well. Um, but the beautiful thing about, um, about the technology now is that there is also a middle ground in terms of how you can get those physical books printed. So, um, you know, traditionally, again, we would um, have to go through a printer um, who might have minimum numbers, or if you're going offshore, you know, you would have to have at least 500 to a thousand to make it um, for them to even look at you. Um, however, you know, there are platforms now like Ingram Spark, which offer a print on demand service, um, which basically means that you are creating a book and uploading the file, um, but then you then become the publisher. So you can, um, it is distributed on all of the online platforms around the world. Um, you know, your Amazons, your Barnes and Nobles and Booktopias and all of those. I think there's about 41 of them now. It just keeps getting 
getting bigger. Um, so you pop up everywhere. Um, but you also can then print um, any quantity of books that you want. So I have a client who, you know, he's he's in his mid-70s down in, in South Australia and he will just print out 20 books and take them to the markets each week, you know. And then, um, you know, for my first print run, I printed 500. Um, so there's no barriers on um, how many or how few you can print. Um, and that just gives you, again, a lot more control so you don't end up with a garage full of, uh, books that you then feel pressured to move on. Um, so yeah, so that's um, another, also another really important thing to be aware of. You're amazing. Another area we haven't really talked about is the audible side of things. One of my most favorite things to do is I pay a subscription every month to download the audio of a book. And there's something really special about hearing an author's voice tell their story or read their book. Do you know much about Audible or about doing audio recordings? And again, it's all about quality. You want to make sure you're in a professional studio. You do need an editor if you make mistakes or cough or sneeze during that. Tell us a little bit about the Audible side of things. Yeah, so Audible or audiobooks are absolutely taking off. It is um, definitely a growth area for uh, for authors. Um, one myth I do want to bust straight off the bat is that um, in order to create an audiobook, you do still have to write your book first. <laughs> So I've had someone come to me going, oh, I'll just, I'll just go to the studio and record an audio book. And I'm like, no, you actually do have to write the book first and have it edited because everything that you say um, comes from the physical or from, from the written word um, that, that you will also publish or, or release as an ebook. Um, so without that, um, you know, refinement and, um, and professionalism put into it, um, generally you wouldn't set foot into a studio. Um, but I love that you said that uh, hearing the author's voice because I feel like if you're going to do an audiobook I would absolutely encourage you to actually read your own work because like you said it's it's just so beautiful to hear the author's voice and um Oh, what's her name? I'm listening. I'm a I'm a big audiobook consumer because I listen to them in my car. <laughs> when I'm not on a podcast, I listen to audiobooks. And um Deborah Feldman, so she she released um, two books and I listened to the first one, which was unorthodox about her, her growing up in a um, Hasidic Jewish community in the US and breaking out of that community. Um, and she actually had an actress to narrate that story. And then for the second book, which I'm actually about two thirds of the way through now, she read it herself. And I was actually a little, like, it took me a while to reconcile that the second narrator, which was actually the author, was the author, because in my mind, the voice was actually the actress. <laughs> so, um, but when we talk about connection, um, you know, when you read your own work, you're actually establishing a whole new connection or relationship with your listener um, you know they're getting to hear your tone of voice they're getting to hear you know how you might emphasize certain things or you know I've heard audiobooks where people have actually you know choked up or had a bit of a giggle at something that they've read and it just again it brings that human element and that realness to it um, you know I listened to Elton John's audiobook the other day and I felt like I was his best friend you know <laughs> 
it's um it's just a really it, it takes that connection to a whole new level and and it is it is um a growth industry for for authors there are a lot more people that are consuming audiobooks now as well so it's a it's a good avenue to think about um does take time. Uh, I think for a book of my size, which is only about 35,000 words, um, you would probably expect to spend one or two days in the studio recording, um, you know, so that you can fix mistakes and repeat yourself if you stumble or you have a bit of a cough or a sneeze and all those sorts of things that you mentioned. Um, so for a longer a longer book, it, it can take several days in the studio and it is so important to get someone on board who, who has runs on the board and who knows what they're doing because platforms like Audible, they do actually change their parameters and they do change their requirements um, and you need to have someone who's across all of those. Um, so I I've had a case where a client's come to me with a, an audio book that they, they recorded at their home studio. Um, but when we took it to Audible, um, the length of their chapters was too long and it wouldn't fit the parameters that were required for Audible. So then, you know, there needs to be an investment then in editing and, and re-recording to make sure that there's a natural progression from chapter to chapter and all of those things that come into play. Um, you know, everything down to, you know, the pace of your, the way that you speak and, um, you know, the, the level of sound, all those sorts of things. Um, there would be so many more that I don't even know about that go on um, with these texts, but it's just so important, yeah, that you do your research and, and get someone who can nail it for you the first time. I agree. I really love the rise of these publishers that allow you to self-publish, but they still guide you through them. What mm. did you call them? Uh, indies, indie publishers. Indies, oh, that's what yeah, I love. Yeah, sure, for independent, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it, I love it. Um, there is something about an audible, I mean, I just listened to Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lighting oh, Again, and he That's on my it. list. <laughs> oh, my gosh, and I just feel like he's my best friend. Yeah, and I, I love the fact that he read it. And when I read my book, the latest one, um, I went down to a studio on the Gold Coast and it took me two and a half days to record mm. this big book. But it was beautiful because I actually, as I was reading it, going, well, that's really cool good yeah. or I'd think oh How wow did I, I write that or <laughs> yeah. and then I'd chuckle at some of the stories and I've had people say I can just hear your voice as that's you're saying right. that and I just Yay. cannot recommend it enough as an experience but that's another added expense which is why I love these independent book publishers which give you the power to be your own individual self-published author but they guide direct and also give you deadlines and I have to say to you I saw a quote once oh my gosh it, the words were what the question was where did this last um, how did you get to this amazing masterpiece that you've just written and they both answered a deadline and a yes. deadline will actually keep you honest and yes. otherwise you can go off into all different tangents I will also put that caveat on it which is why I love having someone like yourself a ghostwriter or an editor or someone who's walking the the walk with you look we could talk forever and I so appreciate this but I do believe everyone has an incredible story and I do believe that having someone like you to guide them through it could be a remarkable way to do this but is there anything else that you would love to add into this podcast before we come to a close because I think your message around helping authors to get that authentic story out is probably one of the most profound and important things I could ever recommend to anyone thinking about this 
Thank you so much, Kim. Yes, there is one more thing I would love to share. Um, and that is, you know, we're talking about expenses and we're talking about tens of thousands of dollars. And for some people that can actually be a deal breaker. Um, so I do want to just let, uh, let everyone in on a little secret um, that you know, the most successful authors don't actually rely on book sales to be successful. So it's really important. And I teach this to all of my, um, my workshop ladies and my mentorship ladies and men, um, that it's important to see your book as a pillar rather than a product. So when we look at it as a product, it's going, okay, well, for each book, I make, might make 20 to $30 if I sell it directly. You know, if I sell it on Amazon, they're going to take a cut. Um, so that return is less. And they're looking at it just in those unit figures. However, when you are building a book or writing a book, creating a book that is going to be used for your business or that you're going to be using, you know, as um, as a way to get your story or your profile out there to the next level, you can look at your book as more of a pillar. And that means that, that it's something you can build from. So instead of thinking that my return on my book is going to be $20, if someone reads my book and they go, yes, I really want this lady to, to coach me or mentor me on how to write my book, you know, that, that return is now a lot larger. Um, and therefore, you know, the way that I pay back the investment on my book is going to happen a lot quicker. Um, so for a ghostwriting client, you know, really, if I got one ghostwriting client from my book, then I would pay for my entire costs of creating and printing and releasing that book, um, which is now going to do the rounds, you know, around the world. Um, and it's been covered that that cost has been covered just by me securing a high-end ghostwriting client. So uh, it's about looking at how you can build something from your book yourself. So for you, Kim, you know, your book is a pillar, you know, it helps to get your message and your beautiful wisdom and your, your personality out there. And people read that and go, oh, Kim is so amazing. I really want to go to one of her self-love retreats or, you know, I really want her to coach me and I want to be part of her next program. Um, so it's, and then when you look at the returns from that, it actually helps you to recoup that investment and far exceed it um, when you open up the possibilities um, that, that you can, yeah, the possibilities of what you can create, you know, blue sky. I've had people that have released books and literally built whole businesses off the back of that one book. So yeah, it's about opening up the, the scope of what's possible. I agree. And someone said to me once, a book is like an extension of a business card. People get to really know who you are from that if they take the time to read it, of course. Yes. There's also another thing that I've seen a lot of authors doing these days, which is pre-selling their book. So they've been working on their book. They tell their audience that they've got a book coming and then they put up pre-sales so that you mm -hmm. get the first of the first print run. That also safety or safely guards <laughs> an author's investment because then they can say, well, look, we've already pre-sold 500 books. We could actually now make it a thousand, which will make the cost price of each book go down as well. So yes, I that's think true. that's a really clever marketing tool to actually pre-sell your book, sell it from the heart and soul as you're writing it so that people are getting already getting on board with it.
And mm. I love all of these tips and ideas you've given. And, you know, as, as we come to the close, you beautiful soul, how could people find you? I mean, if they want a copy of the book, Ignite and Write, for the, the, which is book one of the Mindful Author, if they wanted to get a copy of that, if they wanted to reach out with you, do you offer discovery calls to see if it's possible to actually work together? Could you tell us a little bit about how someone could connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I like to make things easy for people. So it literally is a one-stop shop and that's to my website, which is www.roxannewriter.com.au or even .com. You don't even have to put the AU on it if you don't want to. Um, And yes, you can buy copies of The Mindful Author there. Um, You can also buy copies of uh, my son's book, which is uh, called Sprout's Idea. So he released his first picture book at the age of eight and is a true testament to, you know, we don't need to have any barriers. If we have an amazing story, we should just tell it. Um, So that's available there. And yes, I do offer um, complimentary discovery calls that you can book through the website uh, where we can talk through, you know, what is your book vision? What is it that that's been on your heart and soul that you've been um, really wanting to, to get out there? And, and we will talk about, you know, whether ghostwriting is the best fit or maybe it is going into one of my Ignite and Write workshops or mentorship programs. If you, you know, if you are really um, driven and passionate about writing it yourself and you just need that guidance and that support, um, then that's another option as well. So all of the information is on the website. So yeah, just go have a look around there and and I'm always happy to chat to anyone. So book in a call and I'd love to hear what you've got going on. I cannot recommend this enough. Is that the same for the socials as well, sweetheart? Yes. So socials, um, I'm lucky that I have a very unique name. I don't believe there's another Roxanne McCardio Kane in the world, which is great. Um, so I'm nice and easy to find on social media, um, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I am at Roxanne Writer and also on LinkedIn as well. Perfect, 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 perfect. And I'll make sure I put all of that into the notes as well as the link to this remarkable book. I was very sad I couldn't get to the launch. Um, I just am so proud. You've even quoted me in here. We've had a long connection. You wrote stories about us when we first launched our very first book back in 2009. You have been someone I have absolutely loved, adored and respected throughout all the past 15 years. And I just want to congratulate you, Roxy, publicly for not only creating amazing content, telling beautiful stories, ghostwriting and now being an author as well yourself, but also for your remarkable ability to inspire others to tell their story. Also your incredible love and affection for training and supporting and coaching people to tell their story. This is by no means a a small effort, everything you've done. You're also an incredible award-winning businesswoman and you've achieved some amazing milestones. And I just love to publicly congratulate you for all of those incredible awards, nominations, and all the work that you're doing and gifting to this world. Thank you. That's so beautiful. Thanks so much, Kim. So just to finish off you, a clever, amazing soul, (laughs) could you perhaps tell us your favorite quote at the moment in any final words? Yes. So um, I love a good quote. So this, it was really hard to narrow one down, but I think given the 
conversation that we've had today, um, I would like to share a quote that I have included in my book, um, and it's under the section of backing yourself, and it's by Roy T. Bennett, who is the author of The Light in the Heart, and he says, believe in yourself. You are braver than you think, more talented than you know, and capable of more than you imagine, because I fully believe all of that. And it's a very beautiful way to end this because there's no accident. Those of you that are listening to this right here, right now, I would take it as a sign, a calling. And if nothing else, I would urge you, absolutely insist that you reach out to our beautiful Roxy and just have a conversation. See where it goes from here because you never know within who knows, six months to a year, you could be holding your very own book. And I have to finish by saying this, the day that you get your book delivered to you, the day that you hold a book in your hand is truly like holding your baby for the first time. It is the most remarkable thing. Roxy is absolutely right. When you realize it is a labor of love, there is a lot of work that goes into a book to have a quality book out there that really will resonate and connect to others. And I cannot underestimate or over uh, inform you that the importance of having someone of Roxy's ability to walk alongside of you as you do this. You don't want to waste your time just by writing any old thing. Let's make it compelling, connecting. Let's make it a conversation stopper that people are going to go, have you got Roxy's book, The Mindful Author? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Have you got that in your hands? Because ultimately, as we said at the very beginning, your words, your story, your writing could actually influence someone to change the course in their life. You have no idea how many books out there, how many authors pour their heart and soul, but it's really worth it. As I said, even for me, if I can help one person um, find their way back home, then I feel my work is done. So Roxy, a huge congrats. Thank you. That quote is so perfect to finish our self-love podcast. I want to honor and acknowledge you for being a beautiful guest on the self-love podcast this week. Thank you so much, Kim. It's been an amazing time to chat with you. And yeah, I look forward to seeing you again soon. Oh, and just before we go, I would really love to share a special offer with all of the amazing listeners of the Self Love Podcast. If anyone has been really inspired to get on board and and share their story, I do have one more Ignite and Write workshop coming up in 2022 and a whole heap coming up next year as well. And I would love to offer you a special discount of $100. So get in touch with me through the website. Let me know that you heard our lovely conversation on the self-love podcast and I'll make sure that we fix you up with that special offer. You are amazing as always. Thank you again, beautiful girl. It's been an absolute honor to have you on the show. Thanks for listening to the self-love podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. 
Austin Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.